Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Martha, Mary, and Lazarus were siblings. They were also personal friends of Jesus. He ate with them, he stayed with them, and he was even involved in a certain domestic dispute when Martha was doing all the work and Mary was sitting at his feet. When Lazarus got sick, a word was sent to Jesus in this way, Lord, he whom you love is ill. John tells us that when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he found that Lazarus had already died and been buried for four days. Upon his arrival, Martha came running up to him and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And those last words are a profound confession of faith. Jesus answered her, your brother will rise again. She said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. With these words, Jesus teaches Martha and us to think of the resurrection, not first and foremost as an event, though it certainly is an event, but to think of it first and foremost as a person. Because the resurrection, while it is an event, is an event caused entirely by a person, one person, Jesus. Jesus is the resurrection. And the same is true for life itself. Life isn't an event. Life isn't a thing unto itself. Life is a person, just as resurrection is a person. Perhaps it's the case that if Jesus had not specified and said, Lazarus, come out, instead if he had just said, come out, it's quite possible that all of the dead would have risen. Jesus is the resurrection. And when he returns to earth, it will be in full power and full glory, and death will simply be undone. Graves will simply be torn open. The dead will rise. And all of this will happen as a matter of fact because Jesus is the resurrection, because Jesus is the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live, Jesus says. But the words of Jesus that come next are, if you can believe it, even more marvelous still. He says, whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. How can that be? Well, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. To know him, to believe in him, to have him as your own, is already to have life. And to have life in such a way that what we call death is no longer death at all. 
what we call death, is in fact only the death of the sinful nature within us. It is only the death of what we no longer are and no longer want to be. Good riddance. But the new man within us, the inner you, the you that is a baptized child of God, you shall never die. You shall pass through what we call death completely unharmed. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die, Jesus says. And in perfect harmony with Jesus' words are those words we heard a moment ago from St. Paul. You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. And of course, Paul here means the Holy Spirit. It is not your earthly birth that amounts to anything. That which is flesh is only flesh. It is your spiritual birth that matters. You have been born of water and the Spirit in baptism. And that which is spirit is spirit. So, as Paul says, you are no longer in the flesh, but of the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Thus far, St. Paul. And we might put it this way. To have the spirit is to have Jesus. And to have Jesus is to have eternal life even now, already. That means that not water, not fire, not cancer, not heart disease, not coronavirus, not flu, not a car accident, not a mishap while taking a selfie. Nothing can separate you from Jesus. And Jesus is life. And in the end, your body, even though it be turned to ash or be buried in the ground, your body will simply have to keep up. Your body will simply have to be raised and be given life just as you have already been raised in Jesus, just as you already have been given life in Jesus. The same Holy Spirit who baptized you into Jesus will give life to your mortal body, and so your body will never be mortal again. That Jesus is the resurrection, that Jesus is the life, is the foundation, then, of our lives as Christians. It's why we need not tremble, even though we sometimes do. It's why we need not fear, even though sometimes we do. It's why we strive toward faithfulness and humility, even though quite frequently we fail. We know that life isn't all the stuff around us, good or bad. Life is Jesus. 
And whatever may happen to us, whatever may happen to our bodies, whether injury or old age or sickness or even death, we need never mind any of it because the resurrection is coming and the resurrection is Jesus. Now, after speaking with Martha, Jesus is deeply moved again. And he comes to Lazarus' tomb. He says, take away the stone. Martha said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus prayed. And he prayed in such a way that there could be no mistaking that the Father had sent his Son to undo death. Lazarus, come out, Jesus said. Still bound with linen strips, Lazarus came out. Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? What then is the glory of God? Well, perhaps much could be said, but here at least, it is quite evident that it is the glory of God to raise sinners from the dead. It is the glory of God to raise sinners from the dead. Death is not natural. That's perhaps one of the biggest lies our race has come to believe. Everyone simply assumes that death is natural. But death is not natural. God is life. He gives life to the children of men. Life is natural. Only when we ate of the fruit, only when we broke communion with the one who is life, only then did we die. So sin is, by definition, a breach in communion, a breach in fellowship, a departure from the one who is life. And so the result of sin is death. And yet death is so contrary to God's plan, so contrary to God's desire, he immediately puts forward his word and promise that death would be undone, that he himself and he alone would find a way to reverse this curse, to bring us back from what we chose, to open our graves and raise us in our bodies, to restore us to everlasting communion with him. And that way, plainly stated, is the cross. On the cross, our sin would become his sin. Our death would become his death. That by his innocent dying, he would release us from death. That by the shedding of his holy blood, he would cleanse us from all our sins. To put it another way, the glory of God is the crucifixion of Jesus. For here, sin is undone. Here, the power of death is broken. Here, we are restored to communion with God. For what hangs upon the cross is the body and blood of Jesus. And are these not the very things that he gives to us in Holy Communion?
So by partaking of his sacrifice on the cross, we are restored to communion with God. In the garden, we ate of the fruit of the tree and lost communion with God. Now God reverses this. We eat from the tree of the cross, and we once more have communion with God. For in eating and drinking, we receive not death, but life. Not damnation, but salvation. For as Jesus says, by eating and drinking, we receive from him the forgiveness of our sins. So from Christ crucified, from his body given and his blood shed, we have forgiveness. And if we have forgiveness, we have life. And if we have life, we have salvation. We are restored to everlasting communion with God. And that way, the mortal body, though it die, yet shall it live. Though it die, yet shall it be raised. Just as in the case with Lazarus. Lazarus' resurrection shows not only what is possible, but what is sure to come. The fact of the matter is, and it's a fact we don't often like to think much about, is that in a proverbial blink of an eye, not one of us is going to be here. Our mortal bodies will be buried or cremated or lost in a disaster or somehow other destroyed. And yet, with these mortal bodies, we have received Jesus. Upon our very tongues, we have received his body, the bread of life. Upon our sin-parched lips, we have received his very blood, the wine of our salvation. These mortal bodies have received Jesus, and so these mortal bodies shall rise. And on that day, standing in our new, sinless, and immortal bodies, in full communion with God, with blessed eternity stretched out before us, perhaps we too will hear our Lord say, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.